Good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Bailey and thank you for joining us for this virtual service. We would love to hear from you and know how we can be supporting and praying for your family. Please fill out a connect card at wv.church. We also have a resources page on our website at www.windsorvineyard.church virtual. Here you can find weekly teachings, teachings for kids and youth, as well as a link to all of our small groups that are still meeting virtually. We have a new Financial Peace University class starting May 5th, and this is a great opportunity if you are feeling overwhelmed with your finances, uh, need some hope and some support. Personally, it was very helpful for uh, my husband and I to just get on the same page about money and feel like we're on the same team. So if that interests you, you can find more information on our website or by filling out your Connect card. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope you have a wonderful Sunday. All right, well, good morning, Vineyard Church, wherever you are, welcome to Virtual Vineyard. Uh, we are so glad you joined us this morning, took the time, and um, we're excited to spend uh, the next uh, hour with you today. Uh, just looking at what uh, God's Word has to say for us and also spending some time in worship. Hey, if you could do me a favor this week, I would love to hear God's stories from you. What is God doing? Uh, in the midst of all this virus. And you can send those uh, into wv.church and just uh, mark them God stories. And we would just love to hear uh, some of the, maybe what God surprised you with uh, during these past few weeks, because we know he still is at work. And next week is Mother's Day. And we are gonna be hearing from one of the best mothers I know in the whole wide world, and that's uh, Wendy. She will be teaching next week, so you're not going to want to miss that on, on Mother's Day. And I hope you mothers just have an amazing week uh, this week, and we're going to be praying for you. Well, today I want to talk about God's promises for our future. Before I do, though, let's just uh, have a quick uh, prayer. Father, thank you for your word and um, that we can, you know, look at it and meditate on it and apply it to our lives. And, and so, Father, I just invite your presence, Holy Spirit, right now into um, this time. I pray that you will use me uh, to speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God's promises for your future. Have you ever had a promise broken? I know as humans that happens to us, doesn't it? Uh, maybe, maybe you were a young kid and someone made a promise to you, we'll go fishing or something like that, and, you know, they just didn't show. Now, there's people in our lives that they make a promise and we're kind of like, eh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it because they have that kind of track record. But there's other people in your life that, you know, they make a promise and you pretty much take it to the bank. You're kind of like, you know, that person, unless they get hit by a truck, you know, they're going to come through on their promises. And when it comes to humans, uh, it's a little bit hit and miss with promises and, and keeping promises. But God has made us some promises, and God always keeps his promises. And I want to look at some of those promises, and especially some promises about your future. Because I know it's hard when you're kind of in lockdown, and you're wondering, like, do I have a future? You know, is this ever going to change? Are we ever going to get back to normal? Will I ever go back to work? Uh, will I ever be able to get a haircut? Uh, I need to get a haircut. I am, I'm using a lot of product right now, let me just say. I know my friend Rolando, who works here, he, he doesn't have that problem, but um, he's saving money with hair product. But uh, broken promises, promises kept. Let me say this about your life. The rest of your life, uh, it, it's all out ahead of you. It's all in the future. The past is the past. Uh, so... All we can really focus on is the future, and we have no control about the future. Now, if you, if you can tell the future, let me know. That would be awesome, especially for the stock market right now. But we can't tell the future, so we have no control over our future. And so I wanna just kinda lay that uh, statement out there, lay that groundwork uh, before we start talking about this. 
Uh, before we get into the promises, though, I want to give you four facts, if you're taking notes. This is going to be a good note day for you note takers. Four facts uh, about your future. Fact number one, God knows everything about your future. God knows everything about your future. God is never surprised by what happens. He's not limited by time. Uh, he can see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. This is kind of mind-boggling. This is one of those things that, you, that, as my friend Brian McLeese likes to say, you're going to have to think on it. You're going to have to think on this a little bit. This is, this is a big concept, that God is not limited by time and space. Now, I'm going to get a little bit deep here. I'm going to read this so I don't mess it up. Einstein's theory of special relativity created a fundamental link between space and time meaning that the universe can be viewed as having three space dimensions, up, down, left, right, forward, backward, and one time dimension. The fourth dimensional space is referred to as the space-time continuum. And that's, that's where God operates. He is not limited by time and space. Now, some of you that know me and I'm kind of a Star Trek fan and stuff, you're just thinking, Jack just wanted to work those words in, space-time continuum, into one of his teachings. Well, that was kind of fun to do that. Let me put it this way. Let me dumb it down a little bit. If you watch a parade, let's say there's a big parade here in Windsor, down on Walnut Street or wherever, and you're watching it through a hole in your fence, all you can see is that part right in front of you of the parade. But if you take one of those drones that people are playing around with, I hear they're pretty cool, I've never operated a drone, but you, you fly that drone high above Windsor, you can see the front of the parade, you can see the back of the parade, you can see where the Windsor marching band is, uh, you can see the entire parade. That's how it is with God when it comes to time. He can see it all, past, middle, and future. So he knows what's going to happen in your future. And it's a hard concept uh, for us to get our, our minds around. Hebrews 4.13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Psalms 139.16, You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. God knew your future before you were born. He knew about you before you were born. He knows everything about your future. Fact number two, God has a good plan for your future. He has a good plan. The famous Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a good plan for you, a good purpose for your life. And this tells us that God has thought more about your future than you have. You know, some people don't even have a plan for their future. They just kind of show up. You know, they don't have a plan. It's more like an accident, an accident for their future. They just show up. The good news is God has a plan for your future, even if you don't have one. Now, here's a question, though. Can, can I miss God's plan? Well, absolutely. You can absolutely miss God's plan for your life, and people do it all the time. They miss God's plan because they choose their own plan. You have to choose God's plan. It's not automatic. You know, the greatest gift God gave us is the freedom to choose. He could have made us like a bunch of robots that love him. You know, he just winds us up and we say, I love you, I love you. He could have done that. But is it really love if it's not your choice, if it's not free will? And that's one of the greatest gifts he gave us. But with that gift, we have the power to not choose and to miss his plan and to choose our own plan. God says, you can choose to love me or not love me. You can choose your plan for your life or you can choose mine. Uh, you can choose to live with pride and rebellion and, and do it your own way, or you can choose God's plan. And, and sadly, most people die without ever discovering God's purpose and plan for their life. You know, the wonder, number one thing that keeps us away from God's planet, it's pride. It's pride. It keeps us from our destiny. Pride looks like this. I know God has a plan for my life, but, but, but I know better. Uh, I think I know better. I, I think I know what really makes me happy. So I reject his plan, and I begin to work my own plan. 
I think it's kind of arrogant to think that we know better than God. You know, God has a plan for my, for my life about sex, but I, I'm going to do it my way. You know, God, God has a plan for my life about finances, but you know what? I, I'm going to do it my way. God has a plan for my life about parenting, but I, I'm going to do it my way because I know better. I'm smarter than God. You know, God has a, a plan for my life when it comes to forgiveness and prejudice, but, but, but I know better. I'm going to do it my way. It, it's kind of arrogant if you think about it. So God knows your future, and he has a good plan. And fact number three, I have to choose his plan daily. We have to make a choice to follow God's plan. And it's not a one-time choice. It's an everyday choice. That's the trenches. The, the trenches of each day making a plan, uh, choosing to, pl- to follow his plan. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says this. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Choose life, he says. It seems here that your choice will affect the next generation. Your choice can affect your kids, good or bad. That's a lot of power that he has given us to choose. Fact number four, God will be with you. Hebrews 13, five says this, don't love money, be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? God says, I'll take care of you. I'll be your provider. When you follow my plan, I will not forsake you. And this is the faithfulness of God. It's built into his character. Are you full of anxiety? Are you full of fear? Pastor Rick Warren says it this way. He says, every fear is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he has promised. Every fear is a misunderstanding of who God is and what he has promised. And if, if we really understand God and that he has a plan for us, we, we wouldn't be afraid of anything. We would never have any anxiety. It, it's those moments when we forget and we don't choose daily to follow his plan. He can handle it all. Every disappointment, God's got it. Every broken promise, every hurt, every world pandemic, God's got it. So into the promises. Promise number one, God promises to guide me when I'm confused. You ever get confused? Got a big decision to make or a little decision to make? God promises to guide us when we get confused, when we follow his plan. Should I move here? You know, should I date him? Should I take the job? What should I study in school? Uh, should I turn right? Should I turn left? Paper or plastic? All the hundreds and thousands of decisions that we make every day, when we get confused, God promises to help us. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Who do you trust? Who do you talk to when you get confused? Is it Facebook? Is it Oprah? Who do you trust? Is it Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz? Where do we go? Is it your best friend? God says, come to me. Come to me. Lean on me. Not your own understanding. And the promise is that I will make your paths straight. I'll help you choose the right path when you're confused. Promise number two. God promises to help me when I'm tempted. All of us are tempted by something. We're, we're tempted our entire lives. We have an enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And what he's, what he's tempting us with is to leave God's plan and, and follow our own plan. That's the, that's the temptation. And he might use a different tactic with you than with me. You know, he might tempt you with anger or worry or fear or arrogance. Uh, 
riches, more stuff. We, we all have areas of weakness, areas where he tempts us. And it's all about distracting us from God's plan and purpose. So here's some things I know about temptation. Here's the bad news. You're never going to outgrow temptation. I've talked to some really old people, and they've told me, you never outgrow temptation. It's with us our entire life. Um, if you think about it, though, the closer you get to God, the more Satan's going to come after you. The, the more you're following God's plan and working his plan, the more Satan's going to come after you. So it makes sense that we're always going to be tempted. Temptation is not a sin. And a lot of people get confused about this. Acting on it is a sin. What you do with temptation is what matters. You know, when Satan puts a thought in your mind, we call that temptation. When God puts a thought in your mind, we call that a, a word of knowledge. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. And I think that's true. Attraction is not a sin. Action is a sin. You know, if, if I'm on a diet and I've made a commitment to not eat mint chocolate chip ice cream, because that's one of my big temptations, and I see mint, mint chocolate chip ice cream, and, and I just keep on walking, you know, I, I just say, I'm dead to you, mint chocolate chip ice cream, and just pass on by, no harm, no foul. But if I spend the next three days consumed by the thought of eating mint chocolate chip ice cream, what do we call that? We call that lust. That's lust. And lust means you're losing the battle. You know, lust means red alert, red alert. Uh, move away from the edge. King David did not sin when he saw Bathsheba bathing. He moved towards sin when he was consumed with what it would be like to sleep with her and what it would be like to have her as his wife. Lust turned into sin when he murdered her husband, Uriah, and took her to be his wife. And if you read the rest of the story, that caused a whole bunch of problems because that was when David moved from following God's plan and started following his own plan. We can't always control what gets our attention. We can control what keeps our attention. And that's the difference. You know, Jesus was tempted in every way, but he chose not to sin. He chose to stay on the path that God had for him. Temptation, every temptation is an opportunity to grow. How you come through that. And this is what God has promised us about temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, tune into this, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You know, Satan wants you to think you're the only one on planet Earth that ever gets tempted. And he wants you to get isolated so that you'll give up and give in. When you share a temptation with a, with a good friend who you trust or with your small group, it breaks the power of that. It breaks the power that, that Satan has over you. Did you notice that... Uh, the first part of this verse says the temptations of your life are no different from what others experience. Jesus was tempted. That whole thing that was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was tempted to leave God's plan and get out of there and, and, and just, you know, skip the whole cross thing and all that pain and suffering. I'm glad he didn't. You know, one of the problems is that we don't look for a way out. We don't ask God for a way out when we're tempted. We just go, I, I can handle this. You know, we we'll hunker down. You know, I don't need anyone telling me how to do this or how much of this or how much. I, I can do this. I can handle this. That's not the solution that he's given us. He says to look to him and he'll show you the way out. Second Thessalonians 3 but the Lord is faithful and he will give you strength and will protect you from the evil one. God's got your back when you're being tempted. Promise number three, God promises to help you when you're in trouble. Now the difference between temptation and trouble is temptation is ex internal. It has to do with our character. 
And, and, and trouble is external. It, it has to do with a broken, fallen world where people can make their own choices and a lot of them make really bad choices. It has to do with a broken world where there's, where there's pandemics and, and things that are out of our control. There's lots of trouble out there, isn't there? Relational, financial, just people doing stupid stuff. In a church our size, someone is always going to be in trouble. Someone is always going to be going through something externally. Isaiah 43.2, when you go through deep waters, I love this verse, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, notice it doesn't say if, it says when, I will be with you. There's the promise. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. It doesn't say you won't get wet. It doesn't say you won't get singed a little bit and smell smoky. But it says with God, you'll come through it. You won't drown and you won't be burned up. God is with us in trouble. Promise number four. God promises to reward my service and generosity. God promises to reward my service and generosity. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serve and give. Turn to the person you're watching this with. If it's your dog, turn to your dog or your cat and say, serve and give. Serve and give. That's what Jesus did. That's how he operated, to serve and to give. And that's what we do as followers of Jesus we serve and we give. These two words describe a follower of Jesus. If you're wondering right now, am I really a follower of Jesus? Run it through this filter. Do you serve and do you give? Because that's what Jesus did. You know how I know we have an incredible church of Jesus followers? It's the way you guys serve and the way you give and the way you show up. Um, you know, every Sunday, and during the week for small groups and, and lead and serve and give your time, your energy and money. That's what followers of Jesus do. If you think you're here on planet Earth to just take and to be served, you've got this whole thing backwards. I love how you guys serve our missionaries, Rick and Joy in Mexico and Scott and Lisa Harris in Mozambique and uh, our friends Rick and Becky who are with the 414. I love the way you guys serve and give outside of us to Convoy and Compassion and all the other organizations that you guys support. Good job. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not just. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. There's a reward. I know some of you make huge sacrifices for the kingdom week after week after week. God sees it. He sees it all, and you will be rewarded. Luke 16, 9 says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. When we give and we serve, we make a kingdom investment that lasts forever. Promise number five, and this is probably the big one. This is probably why a lot of you signed up. It's eternal life. My friend, Pastor Rick Knable, he likes to call it fire insurance. And sometimes I, he's using that in a negative way, but it kind of is, isn't it? It kind of is fire insurance. Maybe some of us start there and then we kind of broaden the thing. Hopefully we do. The promise of eternal life. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. When you follow God's plan and you uh, lean into his purpose for your life, at the end of that is the promise of eternal life. Seeing all of your friends who've gone on before you, 
John 14, 2, there, there is more than enough room. This is Jesus. There is more than enough room in my father's home. You know, people with really big houses, mansions, there's more than enough room. If they invite you to stay, it's like we have plenty of room. Now that West Wing over there, we don't even ever go over there. I've never even been in some of those rooms. There's more than enough room, Jesus says, for you. The promise of eternal life. Promise number one, God will guide you. Promise number two, he'll help you when you're tempted. Number three, he'll help you when you're in trouble. Number four, he'll reward you for service and generosity. And number five, the promise of eternal life. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening this morning. You know, you still have to choose to follow God's plan. Maybe you're in a place today that you, you haven't done that. We would love that if this be your day, your day to choose to make that decision, to give Jesus the steering wheel of your life and stop trying to do it on your own, stop trying to work your own plan and discover and follow his plan for you. Well, as we've been doing during these virtual vineyards, I want to just take communion with you and then also after that invite you to join us for worship. The verse I'm reading today for communion is from Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. So let's take the bread right now and eat it. Verse 27, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, like Jesus did, we give thanks, Father. We give thanks for this, this blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take the cup. Well, now I'd like to just invite you to worship. Will you join us and really, uh, and really enter in wherever you're at today? Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another virtual Vineyard Sunday. <laughs> um, I look forward to the day when I'm not saying that anymore. <laughs> we miss you guys. I say that every week. I just don't want you to forget it. We miss you. So it's just not the same without you. Um, but we do pray that um, you are enjoying this time, uh, however it looks for you. And we pray that God blesses you with his presence um, on this Sunday. So here we go. Holy, holy, holy 
in these times, I just feel like God's just calling us out to um, just focus on Him uh, more than we ever did before. Like, he's building us up in these times to, uh, when this is over, to be even stronger. Uh, that, that his words and his, um, just his love would be so much stronger and louder in our lives right now. And God, we just pray right now in this moment, would you be louder, God? Would you be stronger, Lord?
for a while, um, mainly because of that line. Um, you know, we're thinking about a lot of different things, and um, there's a lot of different, um, I don't know, there's, there's loss no matter what, right? Like some kids have lost their school year. Um, there's, there's lives that have been lost. There, you know, the, the realm of um, the range of losing things is, is pretty massive right now. And um, I just keep thinking of this line um, at the end of this, all things once sown in weakness you raise in promise. Your beauty arches above it all. And um, man, I, I just want to pray that that would be, um, that's where our heart would be, you know, that, um, that we would believe that um, the things that we're, that we're grieving, the losses that we're experiencing, uh, that his beauty would, would be seen above all of it. So um, we're going to sing that line one last time. All things once sown in weakness. You raise in promise your beauty arches above it all. Yes, God, that is our prayer. Help us to see your beauty in each and every day, Jesus. Yeah. All right, y'all are going to have to sing loud in your living room or your kitchen. Um, this might be a good song to grab a musical instrument of your choice. Just make sure you ask your parents first and don't break stuff if you're a child or if you're a grown-up. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right.
joy that you bring, sing Revive me, revive me with it. Joy that you bring, joy that you bring, sing Revive me, revive me with it. Joy that you bring, joy that you bring, sing Revive me, revive me with it. Joy that you bring, joy that you bring, sing Revive me, revive me with it. Joy that you bring, joy that you bring, sing Revive me, revive me with it. Joy that you bring, joy that you bring. So now my hands are up higher. You set my spirit on fire. Lord, we're asking you to move. You're the God of restoration, one who gives us salvation.